and welcome to the 10th annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Remian. Welcome to The Academy. Patrick, welcome. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel feeling good. We're like at a milestone today. Big milestone, 10th ep, end of the first round. I mean... You know, I hesitate to say it, but are we on a roll? Oh, we are on a roll. The reviews are in, uh, and uh, it's uh, my my dad saying, please stop swearing. You have family members listening to this. <laughs> and my dad is calling in saying, it's okay. Uh, so, I, I mean, if those aren't rave reviews... Um, I don't. I don't know what is. <laughs> oh yeah, no. There, I'm. I'm seeing like the little uh, reviews in my head right now. They have like the little, um, like the little wreaths or whatever. Like the little, um, what's it like the what the Romans put on their head? Like the little. Uh, oh, uh, the laurels. laurels it, like yeah. you make a film festival or something like that. Yeah, I got the little yeah. laurels on the side of the review, and it's like you know, audiences rave. Uh, you know, no swearing and be a little shorter, please. Yeah. And, you know, other audience members saying it's a podcast. Yeah, you know? it's a podcast. <laughs> I listen to it. Yeah, it exists as a show. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out on Tuesdays. Yeah. Wow. Tuesday. They've right. been on time for 10 weeks. Well, can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> it's been very funny. And yeah. Like in all seriousness, folks, if you do feel like it, we would absolutely love and appreciate you if you logged into your iTunes account and did rate and review the show because that does apparently get the word out there a little bit more about the Academy and Academy. And as we head into this heated second round, I, you know, we want as many years in the mix on this, on this turn, this tournament that I think is, you know, Patrick, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this tournament is heating up. Oh, it's so spicy. It's like, uh, it's a hot pot of turniness, turniness. I'm excited. Oh, it's yeah, hot. I mean, you know, just a quick rundown for those of you. If this is your first episode of the Academy Academy, we welcome you. So we're going to give you a little treat and just tell you what has happened thus far over in the Accents region. Our first episode, Sophie's Choice defeated Julie and Julia 2-1. On the other end of the Accents region, Bridges of Madison County defeated Out of Africa in a definitive 3-0 oh, yeah. final. She double Devil Wears Prada in the comedy region. Devil Wears Prada, 2-1 victory. Maybe a little bit closer than you would expect for such a uh, powerhouse coming into the tournament. Mm -hmm. And then in comedy, and the other side of comedy, Death Becomes Her defeated Defending Your Life. If I'm not mistaken, 3-0, all of us agreeing, Defending Your Life may have been the best movie we saw in the first round. Yeah, that might be uh, the, the best movie of the entire bracket. Yes. In the Sings category, Mamma Mia defeated Ricky and the Flash. Two or not, pardon me, Mamma Mia defeated Into the Woods. That's how forgettable, folks, Into yeah. the Woods is. <laughs> <laughs> it is a disappearance. It's as if it was like a uh, one of the, the brothers or sisters in uh, and Back to the Future, and it's just it disappeared from my brain. Yeah, they did not need to play a Chuck Berry song to... Um, Johnny, they have to do Johnny Be Good in order to bring back into the woods. We let it fade to black. Yeah, Chris unfortunately, there's was no... okay with that. I would, I would reference an Into the Woods song right now, but I can't remember one. Yeah, and I voted for Into the Woods, mind you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other side of Sings, Ricky and the Flash and Florence Foster Jenkins. Florence Foster Jenkins won that one 2-1 in an 
It's very interesting matchup. And then in the Academy bracket with Kramer versus Kramer in doubt, Kramer versus Kramer going 2-1. And on the other side, the Iron Lady and the French Lieutenant's Women, the Iron Lady, a movie decidedly won a 3-0 victory over French Lieutenant's Woman. Oh, yeah. No, that was like, uh, that was probably the biggest surprise of the whole bracket to me was how good the performance was in the iron lady the performance is excellent the film Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm, um but patrick were there any any like surprises that jump at you you know what uh i'm gonna say uh it's weird. It's so funny. Like a lot of this is, you know, I did think Julian Julia. I think my initial prediction was Julian Julia was going to win all this, and that did <laughs> not that did not happen. Um, yeah, a tough, ma- tough, tough first round matchup. Oh yeah, no, Sophie's choice is very. It's like a definitive. It's a definitive performance. It's yeah, it, def- it defines her uh, career. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I, you can make that argument. A hundred percent. And then uh, I think she devil. And Devil Wears Prada, the closeness of that was, uh, I did not see that coming. She Devil being, cause like I almost voted for She Devil. That was like a mm. very, yeah, like that, that That movie is underrated and people should definitely check it out if they get the opportunity. Yeah, super funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I'll be real, though. It's so funny. Like, I look at these, like, you can, uh, well, you can tell me your surprises, but for the most part, uh, actually, I guess if anything, I guess like Florence Foster Jenkins is the big surprise. I mm-hmm. truly thought that movie would suck, and it was good. <laughs> it was very. It's going to be a very interesting competitive matchup with uh, Mamma Mia in the second round. Oh man, Mamma Mia, you know, is a you know psychedelic head trip, as we yep. described in our episode with Avery, but. Um, it might be sleeping giant for all we know. It's it has a while it gets it cooks in you. Oh yeah, in a strange way and um, people and fact, some people really gravitate to it. They really love the yeah. Like we 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 do not know yet. We have not scheduled our guests for these upcoming episodes. So we we're going to try to find someone who comes in in an Adam sort of place, perhaps neutral. Yeah, we need a neutral. We need like a. We need, we need to like actively go against finding Maria heads or Mama yeah. Mia, Mama Mia heads, not Maria. Abba, Abba freaks. Abba freaks. Abba, Abba goons. Yeah, the uh, the yeah, the Abba goons. But I mean, I think that that the the one matchup that keeps popping out at me, I think, um, I mean, a pleasant surprise was how much we enjoyed Bridges of Madison County. Oh yeah, I didn't think that that was a great film. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm a little surprised. I mean, I voted for it, but I was a little surprised that Doubt didn't put up a bigger fight against Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that is fair. And Doubt is such a, like, it's a, it's definitely one of her best performances. I'd be so curious had we, like, flipped some of the Academy. Like, had Iron Lady gone against Kramer versus Kramer... That would have been very interesting. Out gone against Bridges, uh, not Bridges, uh, the the French Lieutenant's woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The French Lieutenant's woman, like how that would have uh, shaked out. Because I think, I think we'd be seeing a very different bracket. I, yeah, and I think. Um, I mean, I don't know if the winner is going to come out of the Academy region. I think Iron Lady is a very. It's a dangerous film, and I don't. Again, I think we mentioned it in Adam's episode. I don't think any of us want. 
the Iron Lady to win. Like, in our heart of hearts. That but, is, like, the crazy thing, though, is, like, I don't want it to win, but it, it could. It could, yes. <laughs> it, it, it could. I mean, we are scientists. We are coming at this as neutral figures yeah. in all of this. I mean, the glory about science, though, Patrick, and this is going to come up in our episode uh, later on in the episode when we cover today's film, Science does require multiple experiments in order oh, yeah. to to prove your hypothesis. You yeah. know, the scientific method is not a one and done kind of thing. So, you know, are we, will we revisit this? Will we just like uh There we go. We're back. We're back. Okay. Oh yeah. There no, I was just uh I was kind of a hope maybe the audience heard it, maybe they didn't, but um, kind of a, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, we'll put it this way, kind of a psychotic concept of if season two of the Academy Academy was just the Meryl Streep bracket all over again. Oh man, I love that. I could, and it could, would we be, okay, here's my question. So would it be like this exact same bracket flipped around a bit or would it be like a brand new, like the new batch, like Meryl Streep two, the new batch? Well, if it's as good as another film with the title, we, we, we'd have a killer podcast. Like, oh, yeah. if you think what you're hearing right now is top notch, get ready for the new batch. But oh, I yeah. think, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I truly don't know. You know, I think, um, I think we picked these first 16 a really nice variety. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, she's, but she has made a lot of films. It's not like she's only made 16 movies. It's tough. Yeah. We did talk about like, it's it's hard because like you know there is a version of this bracket where like you could do 32 in theory although it gets hairy like you know it's like it man it's just so many films yeah i mean and you know put up a real fight over suffragette oh yeah oh god you know, or something yeah. like that exactly yeah or mary poppins or <laughs> you know like it could be any of them Oh, totally. Yeah. Was she in Nanny McPhee or was that? No, she wasn't. That was Emma. That was Emma. It was Emma, Emma Thompson. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Almost said Emma Stone. Glad you said Thompson. Yeah. Hey. Yep. Could have been Emma Stone. Who knows? Yeah. But um, <laughs> you know, but we are. I mean, you know, we're going to have the prom versus Let Them All Talk. Her two new movies this December. We're going to take a look at those and see see where they stand in the street canon. Look now for the future, though, Patrick, and within the tournament. Our next round matchups. Starting in the accent bracket, Sophie's Choice. Is playing the bridges of Madison County. Mm-hmm. Sophie's Choice has got the, the you know, does have, you know, kind of its legendary status. But our guest, Bram High, and Patrick and I all really, really liked both Merrill and the bridges of Madison County. Oh, 100%. And I think, um, I think the bridges of Madison County is a better film than Sophie's Choice. Yeah, like I, I don't know if that's a controversial statement, but I thought so on these viewings. Uh, mind you, we I I'm planning on one, trying to, and I think Patrick is as well, trying to watch as many of these again oh, going yeah. into these going into the second round. I think Sophie's Choice is going to be interesting because um, that movie has so many twists and turns and surprises in its style. But now that those are past us, and we maybe we can just watch it for like purity of Streep's performance beyond just kind of being like, whoa, this movie's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, uh, I feel like just coming in, like, based on my memories, I want to say my heart's currently with Bridges of Madison County. I will watch again, 
uh, both films. But I do agree with you. Yeah, Bridges of Madison County, I think is 100% a more like expertly crafted film. Uh, and I think like Meryl has more to do in Bridges of Madison County than she did in Sophie's Choice. So, uh, but then again, Sophie's Choice is like the, I feel like that is like one of the, you know, out the gate, like one of the predicted, could be one of the, is one of the predicted finalists, correct? Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, it, I think it has a great chance of making it to the finals, but it's facing a pretty formidable opponent in Bridges of Madison County. Oh, so yeah. we'll see. I mean, that's going to be, I'm excited. To, I'm, I'm excited for all four of these second round episodes to see where things go. But, um, you know, over in the comedy division, I think we, we're we going to have a really interesting one here with the Devil Wears Prada versus Death Becomes Her. Ooh, that's going to be hard. Um, I've watched, I had the pleasure of going on the Everything is Scary podcast recently, and we covered uh, Death Becomes Her over there as well. Nice. And uh, the hosts of that show also flipped out for how much they enjoyed Death Becomes Her. So I think... Um, Pretty much anyone who watches Death Becomes Her, I know our guest Kevin also felt that way. You know, this was a, this is an enjoyable experience, it's and so Meryl Streep is freaking great in this film. Yeah, it's it's just it's an it's entertaining. Like it's like a legitimately like it's out of all these movies, it is the most like popcorny, and just like I would have fun watching this in a theater with like a bunch of people like that also enjoyed this movie. Yes. Yeah. And our, um, I learned an interesting fun fact on that show from host Kyle Clark. Um, evidently, um, leading man uh, Bruce Willis part. Wait, say the, orig- the original choice for lead on In Death Becomes Her. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, was um, uh, podcast favorite Kevin Klein. Really? Yeah, I guess that was one of their one <laughs> of their. That's what he shared and. You know, I I, I, lo- I I mean, Bruce Willis, we, you know, sang his praises on our episode and the guest, the spot I did on Everything is Scary. Um, and it can't be said enough how funny Bruce is in this movie. But yeah. there is a part of me that would, uh, I want to complete that Klein Streep trifecta. Oh, man. It would be like, yeah, because I'll be, I'll be real. I do think Bruce Willis is kind of perfect for this specific performance. He's so good in this role, but... The, it is tantalizing. The idea of a Kevin, like he would be good too. And his twist on the character would be so specific and just very different from the Bruce Willis take. Yeah. You know, the other, the other guy we pitched too, you know, not to get too off topic in this category, but um, that era of Tom Hanks, the comedy Ooh. era Tom Hanks, I think he really would have taken that part for a bit of a ride himself. Oh my God, that would be... Yeah, a Tom Hanks in the Bruce Willis in the Bruce Willis role in uh, Death Becomes Her would be interesting because Tom Hanks is also still like I feel like he's America's sweetie still at this point. Not that he like he's perennially America's sweet, like he's gonna be America's sweetie forever. But like it's so like ingrained at this point that he is just like like the leading man of the. I mean, he was in Forrest Gump. He was in Philadelphia. Like he kind of had his. His like you know uh, legacy set in stone in this. Oh wait, no, this was pre both. This was this was uh, right around the time of Philadelphia. Ah oh, man, so I take it back that oh no, but he's still like he, you know, he sleepless tra- in Seattle. He was transitioning, but so there was sleepless in Seattle. There was League of Their Own, but even before that, I mean, you know, take a look at the film Turner and Hooch. Ooh, that's true. And, or um, you know, all the way back to something like Volunteers or Bachelor Party. 
Yeah, or the burbs. Yeah, no, like uh, yeah, the burbs. Yeah. Oh man, no. So like, I, I would be yeah, I'd be down for like a fun, a fun yeah, because like, yeah, he's like a fun uh, like letting his hair down a little bit, like a Hank's letting his hair mm-hmm. down a little bit. I'd be so down for that. Like da Vinci down. Code, he did. It. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, never, never forget. <laughs> <laughs> never forget. Uh, yeah. That is a haircut. Oh, but, yeah. Does not work with his head. Nice as 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 America's sweetheart, that was a national tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh man! Yeah, that was. Yeah, what are you doing? Okay, I mean, we uh, this film is going to come up later tonight, but we watched uh, Con Air today, Ooh, and there we go. That is just as mesmerizing as Tom Hanks' weird hair in um the 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 Da Vinci Code. Oh man! But at least like with the Con Air hair. Like that's like like ironically good, or like it's like it's yeah. like it's it's like for me that hair to me is like what happens when like you're in college and you say bro ironically, and then you say it so much that it becomes real. Like yeah. that's what happened to that hair to me. Like I I would like talk about en- ironically enjoying that like crazy Nicolas Cage mullet, and now I'm just like that's great. I love it. Uh, he's, he's got a great look in the movie. That's that's the new inter- That's the new feeling. <laughs> yeah, this is like yeah, bring it back, baby. But um. Yeah, I think, you know, Death Becomes Her is pretty hot right now. Kind of maybe a, a sexy choice from some of the Vegas prognosticators. Oh, yeah. I would say I that's, guess, but yeah, that's, yeah. I don't think you should sleep on the Devil Wars Prada. I mm-hmm. think, um, I think much like Sophie's Choice, much like Kramer versus Kramer, this is a, um, this is one of the big ones yeah. in the tournament. And I think, uh, it's going to be um, impossible to ignore, you know, kind of everyone uniformly enjoying Death Becomes Her. Yeah, I'd say it's like... It's not to say th- Devil isn't an enjoyable movie either. Oh, no, it's great. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a great, it's a great movie. But it's also like, I think it is like, uh, for a generation, it is like the definitive, like, Meryl Streep performance. Yeah. Yeah, and so again, I think this may depend on who gets the luck of the draw, who gets to be the guest. Yeah, totally agree. Let's move on to the uh, let's move on to the musical category. Um, Mamma Mia versus Florence Foster Jenkins. Uh, I think uh, Flo Foster Jenkins uh, was a real surprise. I think we kind of expected something a little um, dour, maybe a little dry. Oh yeah. And what we got was kind of a uh, pretty amusing little John. Yeah. And um, I think we all liked it. I know my 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 beloved Ricky and the Flash. I did vote for it. And I stand by that vote. I don't. No regrets. I you know the only regret I have is probably should have just joined the crew on the Mamma Mia vote. But uh, <laughs> I stand by Ricky. But Florence Foster Jenkins is good. Yeah. And it's and it's playing a film that is not very similar to in the slightest. Oh, so no. it's going to, you're going you're to get a chance. And I'm very curious. Now that we're beyond, like, oh my god, is this movie real? Yeah. Status of Mamma Mia? Are we going to be able to break it down better? Are we going to see things a little clearer? Or, it, or we? You know, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those things where we almost like it more because you're just kind of have now given in to the weirdness of Mamma Mia. Yeah. And I'm excited to hone in harder on Streep when on this second watch. Yeah, I will stand. I stand by my. By the way, you should have a hashtag for uh, you know. I stand by Ricky and the Flash. 
I stand yeah, by, yeah, I stand with Ricky. <laughs> I stand with Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> I stand with Ricky. Yeah. yeah, you'll have like you'll have a community. You can make hats. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, I. It'd be really weird too. Uh, Ricky will become our religion. We'll be very pro the Iraq War. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow JFK Jr. is gonna save Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, JFK Jr. was Rick Springfield. Um, <laughs> can you hear it here first, folks? JFK Jr. actually Rick Springfield. Never died. Actually, Rick Springfield yeah. wrote the song Jesse's Girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah, uh, that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, and now you're. Uh, it's open. Jump in, folks. Yep. Uh, but uh. It is, I think, like, I, I still stand by uh, by what I said with the, the Mommy Mia episode, where I think Meryl Streep is, like, she is what makes that film, not that, like, other people in it aren't great, but she is, like, the best part of it. And if she was not in that movie, like, it'd be trash. Like, it would suck. Like, Yeah, I, I think she adds a level of class to that movie, which, yeah. you know, otherwise that movie would have just been a pure freak show. Oh, totally. Like, you can, you can only, like, you know, the current Christine Baranski Pepper solo. A like highlight. A yeah, highlight. That's a highlight, but you can't just have a movie of highlights, my friend. You can only put so many diapers on Pepper before oh. it gets... Well, I mean, much like cooking, you don't want to over-season, so just a <laughs> you know, little bit of pepper in there, just baby. A dash, <laughs> yeah. dash of pepper, a dash of diaper. Bless Pepper, though. We stand with Pepper as well. Oh, yeah, we stand with Pepper, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. The weirdest religion of all. Like the like yeah, we've listened to a podcast and everything they say is we take as biblical, so Into the Woods is boring. Mamma Mia has hidden secrets. And <laughs> Rick Springfield is JFK Jr. He's not dead. He's been around the entire time and he's about ten years older than he was when he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did not age well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he aged very well. I mean, I don't even know Wells, right? He aged strangely. Yeah, he, we'll put yeah. It that way. <laughs> he, yeah, he aged uh, quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very odd. Yeah, maybe but, we can uh, involve like time travel or something. We'll have fun with it. I, you know what? It's if it, you can do whatever you feel like. That's true. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know how to twist things. Um, so back, you know, I think that was going to be a wild one. And I, again, I, I hope our guest is ready for that episode. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's going to be a lot. That will be a lot for them. Um, and then a uh, final second round matchup. Uh, this one, I think, is the one that's going quite heated. Kramer versus Kramer versus the Iron Lady. Oh, man. I'm so nervous. That's like, uh, on one hand, I'm going to say that, like, Kramer versus Kramer, I still think that has the best... Uh, performance. It might be like one of my favorite performances Meryl Streep's ever done and some of the best acting. Um, like just like in terms of just like, you know, the time she's on screen and the amount of good acting she does, like the ratio is is pretty uh, skewed in favor of her. But then like Iron Lady, it's like it was like it was designed in a lab to be the yeah. perfect Meryl Streep performance. Ugh, <laughs> yeah. I hate it. I it hate it. gives her everything to do. I mean, she's, yeah, goes to emotions. She gets to wear all the wild makeup and wigs. Uh, it's a, yeah, again, though, it's a, cho- it's a choiceless movie yep. <laughs> that uh, skims the surface on some very, very important 
important political and social things that are still being felt across the, I mean, like, where does the popularity right now of the crown and like a bunch of British mm-hmm. assholes being like, oh, they betrayed Madame Corley on there. You know, it's like, uh, it's still there. It's, yeah. not, it's not going away. And um, boy, you think divorce is tough. Where do you get to the Iron Lady, Kramer versus Kramer? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, like, yeah. Also, like, the way that the Iron Lady turns dementia into having a, a wacky ghost confidant. <laughs> essentially <laughs> it's like they get like kind of like a hacky like um a hacky uh, open mic performer that she finds incredibly charming <laughs> yeah which to, to, to jim broadbent's credit he does yeah. make that character is literally as charming I get it. As he possibly could be i gave him a stanley tucci I thought it was deserving that week i thought that was a weird tucci week <laughs> that, like that in general a- that was an odd tooch week. You know, I think that week actually could have used a little bit of the man himself. We'll put it that way. Yeah, could have used a, a sprinkle of tooch. We stand by tooch. We want him in the. We want him you in can't, every. You can't overseas in him. Oh yeah. Oh god. We'll put it like that. Package that man as a spice, please. Yeah, yeah, indeed. He's a spicy man. Yeah. Um, that's the second round. I I think it's gonna be. You know, exciting. You know, we've we've seen all the movies already. Our guest is going to be coming in fresh. You know, we'll, we'll be heading into the final four after that. And I I don't know who. I I think this is anyone's game. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I I think uh, there are some that I think have clear uh, clear roads than others. Like uh, I don't know. Like I think death becomes her to me is the one. If I was gonna choose, like if I had to predict, like that one is the one that Vegas would smile upon. Hot right now. It's very hot. Oh yeah, it's hot. Yeah, I uh, know. I agree. I think death becomes her there, but I. I mean, I think we're any of these. I, I, even I mean, even it would be shocker, but even Florence Foster. Yeah, if it, char- it charms a couple more guests, uh, I mean, I know our guest Blake was charmed by it. Yeah, and I loved uh, it. you know, I think that it's a surprising movie. It's not as a, not as a, not the bore we thought it was going to be. Surprise can help. Yeah, I mean, I think Florence, man, there is a scenario where Florence Foster Jenkins does make it to like the finals. And then, like, I think it is, like, if you have the right guests and, like, if I'm in the right, you know, because some of this, too, is just, like, mood and, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, I think it could beat Mamma Mia. I, you know, but we'll see. I think it could. I mean, I want to see both films again to know for certain, though. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I know, definitely. But I think, like, yeah, oh, man, it's, uh, this is going to be fun. I'm excited for the next, yeah, because, like, it is truly, like, I think we're, we are in, like, an anyone's game still. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for you all to join us as we – I think uh, this is a movie that is not a part of the tournament, but we've had – it's come up on almost every episode. Um, you know, it's a pretty beloved film in not only the street catalog, but I think kind of in general, mm-hmm. at least for the for this generation of filmgoers, the, the age median – of our guests we'll put it that way yes um you know today we're talking about adaptation um 
the uh, yeah, I'll give uh, give you the numbers. How about that? We'll start with that. Oh yeah. Uh, released in 2002, directed by Spike Jones, written by Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Um, produced by Jonathan Demi. So Ricky and the Flash connection there. Um, the uh, budget on the film was 19 million dollars. Box office was 32.8, which is pretty darn good for a movie as odd as oh, this yeah. movie is. Um, the film has a 91% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the consensus is dizzyingly original. This loopy, multi-layered adaptation is both funny and thought-provoking. It received four Academy Award nominations. Best Adapted Screenplay for Charlie and Donald Kaufman. Best Actor for Nicolas Cage. Best Supporting Actor for Chris Cooper. And of course, Best Supporting Actress for Meryl Streep. And it won one. Chris Cooper took home that gold boy. Yeah. For uh, supporting actor, uh, this movie I saw it in its initial release. I was huge Spike Jones fan, huge big John Malkovich fan. This was, I mean, I think any you know a very very anticipated film. Uh, definitely lived up to its anticipation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me, I bought the DVD immediately. Upon release, and I on my rewatch, I watched that exact same original D. So, Patrick, what 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 are your what's your history with adaptation? Man, I'll say it was like a. Um, I think my first Spike Jones movie was Being John Malkovich, and I I loved Being John Malkovich, and I was like, I gotta get more of this dude's content. I gotta see more Spike Jones stuff. I gotta see more Charlie Kaufman stuff. Oh, I'm hitting two birds with one stone. Adaptation. Yeah. They're back together. Yeah, the, the boys are back in town once again. That's, that's what I believe it said on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> the boys are back in town. Raves Roger Rebert. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Peter Tra- Pete Travers. Uh, but uh, I I think I watched this like, I swear to God, I must have just watched this on my laptop. My laptop on my stomach. I'm on my bed uh, on some like illegal website probably. Um and uh, I remember loving it when I saw it. I hadn't seen it in so long. I think I was probably 16 or 17 when I saw it. And there was This so was my much- first watch in a long time as well. Yeah, and there was so much I didn't remember. Because I remember, like, I'll be real, like, I don't remember the Chris Cooper part being that, like, memorable to me when I uh, initially. Um, and uh, there's just so many... I think there's just also aspects of that this film I just did not understand as a, a young lad. Uh, but uh, I just also remember this movie cementing my love of Nicolas Cage. Like, this is the movie that, you know, if you have a friend who thinks that Nicolas Cage is just like a meme or whatever, and not like a real, you know, capital A actor, show them adaptation. They will... let's, let, let's let's just jump into the Cage praise right oh, now. Yeah. Um, I didn't see it. I mean, I remember him being very good. He's so fucking good in oh, this. It's his best. I, it's so crazy. It is his best performance. It is. It's it, it, it's, it's easily, I mean, if, if I don't, I, like, he's done so many things. It's, like, so hard. But, like, it's it's easily among the top group, yeah. without a doubt. Uh, he makes them both, both Charlie and Donald, completely different people. He's playing two characters straight up in it. Donald... I remember when I saw it, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Donald seemed like such a joke. And this one, I felt so much 
for him. He was so sympathetic and so yep. sweet. He loved his brother all the way through. He never let it like, never let it get him down. Like, yeah, I mean, I think there's like a snobby side when you first see this movie. Oh, like making fun of the three Donald's screenplay and you know yeah. how. Oh, it's how, how silly. Yeah. How silly. It's not serious. Sorry, but no, he loved. He's he's so sincere. Yeah. And he's and, not a joke. And it's just, oh, and he's such a, like, a bruised pup. Like, the whole, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, oh, yeah. man. Like, I think I sent a text earlier. Yeah, to, yeah. To, to Donald, where I was like, I have both Charlie and Donald Kaufman. <laughs> where, like, I, I mean, I have, like, I feel like I have, like, ne- various, neg- the, various the negative traits from both of these. But, like, I don't know. I sympathize with Donald's, like, constant, like, uh, need of approval and, uh, uh, like the just the uh, the over and uh, the the apologizing, just the constant apologizing. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. it, I felt it. I sympathize completely with Charlie's self-critical, self-loathing, twenty-four-seven, oh, ten out of ten on the scale. Like just like having worked on my own stuff and that opening monologue over Post. over the credits, you're just like, oh, every one of these thoughts has crossed my mind. Yep. It, and in like the like. Yep. In 2002, I was like, I was sophomore in college, so life was just a dreamy peach yeah. for old Don. <laughs> but now, now that you've been through a handful of things, you're like, no, this is this is a little more true. This isn't like some wacky Charlie Kaufman character. This is a guy who's just dealing with r- real life, and it's a real bummer. <laughs> like, uh, that's the thing too. I like. I, it's funny because like, yeah, in high school, I had the exact same reaction. It's like, oh, this character's so mopey. What a weird <laughs> dude. And yeah, now it's like, oh no, I relate to this too much. Shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shit, this is bad. <laughs> but he does have like a like. It's funny because it's making fun of story arcs i've read robert mckee's book oh interesting like yeah i i owned a copy of robert mckee's book in 2002 i knew who he was when this movie came out and the way it both like plays into like all of the lessons that are in his book i mean the entire ending ending it with like a violent shootout in the swamp and an alligator attack and Uh... you know at the like ending the movie with the voiceover as the like he's playing with all of that stuff but at the same time the movie is committed to giving him a character arc oh and like it there it is like i think the movie is a little a little too it's not like it's more emotional than you think it's going to be Mm -hmm. and it but at the same time i do think it is pretty locked into kind of the impressive cleverness of it all and like the di- the mechanics of it like i couldn't help but think when i was watching it i was joking with jen that that line in fight club where edward norton first meets brad pitt and he tells him a joke and brad pitt goes how's that working out for you what oh being clever <laughs> i was like that was how i felt like watching this movie a little bit it was like it's incredibly it's incredibly clever it's incredibly interesting yeah um, but it is like very into its like kind of the mechanics of it. And I know this comes out of kind of, you know, the true vibes of Charlie Kaufman being unable to adapt the Orchid Thief, mm-hmm. but it is, it's an interesting movie. I think that there is like, it's warmer than you think it's going to be, but there is kind of a, 
arm's distance to it too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like also it is like yeah, it is it is warm. It is like emotional, and I yeah, you empathize, you sympathize with the characters. Uh, sometimes even empathize, uh, and yeah, I almost see that cleverness almost comes off to me almost like a. It reminds me, I once saw a, an improv show. It was a great improv team. They're an incredible team. But uh, they did a, a set. And then, like, at the end of their set, they recreated the set they just did as a D&D game. Mm. And so they were, like, rolling dice. And, like, they, they literally went through everything. And there were people in the audience that were just like, oh, my God, they did it all from memory. I can't believe they're doing that. And... On one hand, it was really cool to see them do that and to pull that trick and like, like, wow, I can't believe you were able to like, you know, recite all that. But on the other hand, there is like this like level of like self-indulgence and it's like, yeah, I guess like this would be cool to talk about at a, at a party or something, but like watching it happen. Yeah. Sometimes like an adaptation, there is like the sense of like, it is like a little over... It is a little over, you know, over and, uh, but then again, that's like, that's like the, the, that's the, that's the difficulty of making some, a film about yourself, right? Like, yeah, I, I think it's overindulgent. Yeah. I mean, you can compare it to, I think like a better episode of community in that Ooh. same kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it is, it's like a really good episode. Well, it's, I mean, I think it's better than most. It, it, yeah, I think it's, I think it's better than pretty much ever. Like oh, it, yeah, it, it's impossible not to, it's impossible not to. I mean, that's a show that they're just trying to get in week in and week out. And they had right, some right, right, real right. miraculous yeah. ones. This is a highly crafted film that cost $19 million and has Meryl Streep in it. So yeah. there's a big, <laughs> you know, yeah. no, sorry, sorry for even like, yeah, no, community's great. I'm not, but I'm I think not... that uh, Dan Harmon and Charlie Kaufman are, uh, can be oh, somewhat similar artists certainly in yeah, how they yeah, go about things and it is like that same thing where like oh man it is like yeah it's that's like the the difficulty of meta uh to me is like it's hard for meta to not come off as a little self-indulgent it is and i think like i mean i'll you know you you use an improv example and I'll, i can do another one i i i think if, when i do improv i really like I feel like I'm a pretty like adaptable player. Like anytime anyone throws anything out, I'm pretty into and I can go with it and have find a way to have fun with it. Yes. And there's only actually one thing that I hate that kind of shuts me down. And it is when doing improv classes or UCB itself are mentioned in scenes. <laughs> and, you know, and I just like, that is like not the reason why I'm here at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. It's like, it's like when you play a Jackbox with improvisers and they immediately want to fucking reference Billy Merritt or Matt Besser or some shit. It's like, and God. everyone's guilty of it. We've done it yeah. at oh, some point too, in yeah. these nine episodes, but I do think it's like, it's not the point. It, you know, the point yeah. is like a story and that's why, you know, I definitely go back to just kind of the brother story in this as yeah. kind of the thing that I lean in on the most enjoying rather than simple, playful script, oh, yeah. techni no. technical moves that are all over this. And I think Spike Jones, a lot of his style as a director is kind of like finding like, oh, what if we tried it like this in this kind of playful you know, kind of prankstery kind of way. I mean, you know, he's also one of the masterminds behind Jackass. So it's like, you know, you get a lot of different things. And I think like the first Jackass movie is pretty masterful, frankly. But, oh, yeah. um, but I think like, 
it, it it does leave you. And I, I I want to watch Being John Malkovich again. I haven't seen that for a while, but I I do remember Being John Malkovich being so interesting because it wasn't kind of like looking at the process of making a movie. It was just a very very weird idea. Oh man, yeah. And but like the loneliness of it was through character rather than through. Like this, this is like a movie you can argue. You could argue this is kind of an idea movie, more so than anything else. Like the ideas of storytelling, the ideas of being a creative person, the ideas of the movie industry, rather than just the idea of two brothers trying to like survive in this world. Yeah, and you know, can I say something? You know what's funny? Yeah. Is we're probably like at this point we're probably uh, I don't have a timer but we've probably been talking for like half an hour to forty five minutes at this point and we have not um, we have not even talked about yeah. sleep yet. <laughs> it's a co- well, this is a complicated movie. <laughs> uh, totally, no, no, that's totally fair. Well, it shows you how much is going. Well, I'll, two things shows you how much is going on, and shows you you know where Streep kind of like her falls role in this thing. Yeah, yeah. Her, yeah she falls. Yeah. And I get, yeah, let's jump, let's, I think you're right to jump in with her. Um, I think she's doing the best as usual. Mm-hmm. She can with everything. It's obviously Charlie Kaufman is far more concerned with Charlie and Donald Kaufman uh, and their story yeah. rather than Susan Orlean and John LaRouche. And I think LaRouche just sticks out because he's such a unique Oh yeah, that's personality and Cooper's doing a lot. You know, Cooper's great. I mean, a well-deserved uh, win in that for that uh, big gold boy. Yeah. Oh man, that was like that's the thing I noticed first in this movie because when I watched it as a high schooler, for some reason it didn't stick out to me. And my notes right now were like, "What the fuck was I thinking? Cooper is yeah. so good in this." Like he... well, so every every aspect of it. I mean, the construction is important. This is a house of cards, mm-hmm. and you pull one card from this script. And this movie's not going to fly. Oh yeah, no. And I think I think, but I think Meryl gets it's a quiet role. Yeah. For her. It's and it's it's subtle. Yeah, I I do love the fact at the end he just like goes into turning her into like this like <laughs> drug addicted smurderous swamp rat. <laughs> oh yeah, full from heel being turn. a New York a New Yorker columnist, Mary Dick, uh, the great Curtis Hansen. The director of L.A. Confidential in one of his few acting roles plays her husband. Oh, wow. Oh, also... David I, O. Russell's at dinner yeah, with them, too. Yeah. yeah, I was like, holy, this is an insane... Yeah. So many cameos in this movie. Like, or like weird, like, you know, obviously all the people from being John Malkovich, yeah. but like, uh, you know, Doug Jones, like the guy who plays yeah. Abe Sapien, he's Augustus or August Marjorie or whatever, like the British guy who gets... Uh, uh, brained uh, and, and on an expedition uh, yeah. In, yeah the orient uh like it's just a uh, a lot of like in the um you know and also some great performances from tilda swinton kara seymour you know uh ron livingston you know uh, performances of various very very funny very funny ron livingston oh, performance like so, I, I underrated so guy i've i've been a fan i've always been a fan of his i, I think he's, yeah i think he should be in more stuff he's he's always good you know, in a in a just world, uh, Ron Livingston would uh, have like Jason Bateman's career. Say, <laughs> I say that with love. I say that with love to Jason Bateman, but like, uh, man, I'm a I'm a Bateman head too. So you know, yeah, like, but it's but, like, oh man, imagine a Ron Livingston uh, in the the gift, or like, oh, it'd be so good. Like they have yeah. such similar energy. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, kind of uh, blandly handsome, yep. kind of kind of funny, regular guy. Good deadpan. Yeah, like, in, like they'd be fun. Like, you buy them as, like, the guy at the office who's kind of charming and pretty funny. Yeah, like, he is, like, oh, man, there is, like, a world where, like, uh, if, like, if the office came out five years earlier, he would have had the Jim Halpert role. Yeah, yeah, like, but we would have never had Jack Ryan, so I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> no. uh, but no. uh, my boy, I think you're forgetting that we'd live in a world where Ron Livingston is. Jack it would Ryan. be Jack Ryan, yeah. <laughs> that. Oh, uh, and the, uh, just really quickly on the topic of uh, casting choices, did you know that um, I just saw this in the dang Wikipedia article? Tom Hanks was up for the Nicholas Cage. I saw role. that too. Yeah, go back to Hanks. Another, you know. Uh, I, I'm a huge, I love Tom Hanks. I think I mean, everybody does. He's America's sweetheart. He's America's big baby. But, uh, um, America's big baby. Uh, <laughs> this is, this, this, this belongs to Nicolas Cage. Oh, it's so good. Like, uh, I'm so glad Nicolas Cage did it. Cause it is just like, yeah, tour de force departments. He's perfect in the role. Um, it would be fun to see like, uh, in the same way that Clev, the Clevin, I just like I wish I had yeah. that uh, that alternate reality crystal ball where I could see the because I feel like the Tom Hanks performance would be interesting because it's just the idea the idea of like Tom Hanks like like masturbating and stuff like that is like very like like I don't know that's like a side of Tom Hanks that I've he's seen he's he's a classy guy and yeah. some of the stuff that Charlie does is not that classy I mean the not actor not. that the actor that pops in my head I think Jim Carrey. Oh, probably man. could have done it um but at the same time i don't want to live in that world i want to live in a world where only nicholas cage has this role can like can, or both I, these roles pardon me oh totally can i get my crazy uh, out of left field oh yeah adam sandler oh yeah yeah that would definitely be, yeah. oh man that would be so good yeah but like no but here's the thing like it's fun i think the thing is is that like this role is written so well that you want to see how other people would interpret this role, but Nicolas Cage is like the definitive. Like, there's no one else that would. I think he just commits on a level that none of these other people probably would. Like, he puts. Well, that's his. Role. Um, that's his career. Yep. That's every every single movie. I mean, like, yeah. I think we brought it up earlier. We, we watched Con Air earlier today. Mm-hmm. Same weekend as adaptation. He's freaking brilliant in Con Air. And I wanted to see him play the John Cusack part too. I want to see him do dual roles in that film as well. He's just, he's cave. He is, when he is kind of corralled and the energy is put toward the forces of true good. Oh yeah. I think Ethan Hawke said it once. He's like, oh, if you took Nick Cage's 150 movies on IMDb, and just took the 75 best and got rid of the 75 paycheck movies, he would be the best actor in the world. A hundred percent. It's like, yeah, it's like if Nicolas Cage wasn't in constant need of like funding his pyramids <laughs> and like you know, buying, Dra- buying skulls and shit. Yeah, his Dracula <laughs> castles or like, yeah. like the first issue releases of Spider-Man 1 and Superman 1 or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, but he is like you. Even saying though, Dracula's castle, I would like to see him in play Dracula. 
God. Like, like yes. you know, he did Vampire's Kiss. He's already done a vampire film, but like, let's see him do like a full scale Bella, weird Bella Lugosi impression. He's like, old enough. He's at the yeah. point. Bram Stoker, and like, I want like a weird Nosferatu Dracula. None of this pretty Dracula. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird gnarled Dracula, and he's just crazy doing a like the the phoniest of Transylvanian accents. And he's also playing Bram Stoker writing the book. Yes, <laughs> and the brothers. He's such he's such an inspiring weirdo. Like just uh, like, and I love seeing him with him bring his energy to the most alongside the most controlled great actor in the world, Meryl Streep. <laughs> like, oh yeah, see that yeah. this is the problem. We keep talking. Uh, you know, can I, can I, go can ahead. I, can I say we're um? So I think like one thing that's going to come up is like where. Like, should this have been on the bracket, right? And so uh, my answer to it is what I think we should have done. And maybe we'll do this in the future. I don't know. But, like, I don't know if it, like, belongs in the top 16 bracket. I mean, there's films that it could easily replace. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there's a part of me that's, like, this should have been, like, its own little bracket with defending your life. Like, this would have been a perfect mm-hmm. – Those are these are both movies where, like, it's all about Cage and the, or Kaufman in this one. The other one's all about Brooks. Well, I mean, even Kramer versus Kramer could be thrown into this because Kramer versus Kramer is all about Dusty. Oh, that's true. Um, that's all about Dusty. I, yeah, I mean, we could have done it. Yeah, entire category could have just been supporting Streep. Ooh, interesting. That could have been, yeah, that's like a world, another mm-hmm. world perhaps, yeah. Yeah, to judge it, yeah, because it is, Cage is overpowering in this, and Chris it's... Cooper is also in all of his scenes. Yep. They they get to, everyone gets to play real big in this movie, except for Meryl Streep. Yep. And yep. so it's a little thankless, even oh. though it, even though I'm not saying it's underwritten. I think it's correctly written. I just yeah. think um, compared to the juice that those guys get. Oh yeah, it's so it is like this like uh, it's such a. It's like going to like a, a five-star restaurant and Nicolas Cage is like the steak, like the T-bone, and Chris Cooper is like the mashed potatoes with all that butter. And then, you know, Meryl Streep is like the asparagus. and A necessary vegetable. Yeah, you need it, you need it, but, it, you know, asparagus is never going to outshine, but you need it, you need asparagus. Yeah, yeah you that's, do. Yeah. I know that's how they, they when Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones pitched this to the studio, they that was how they definitely described it was just as a steak dinner. <laughs> yeah, this is a steak dinner. This is just yeah, your classic meat and potatoes yeah. film. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's just she she does great she does great work as always, but I think just she's a little overwhelmed by everyone else in it. I think yeah, defending your life is a really good comparison in a lot of ways because it's yeah. a very tourist movie in the same way this is it's a very like you know albert brooks's character in that is kind of probably dealing with things that albert brooks himself has dwelled upon in the same way that charlie kaufman and charlie kaufman are you know dwelling on the same things uh i yeah i don't know you know spike jones seems to leave lead a rather um a, you know, don't know him or never met him or don't know anything about it, but uh, a life that is a lot less neurotic. 
than perhaps uh, yes. Charlie Kaufman. So I think <laughs> you could lead toward this being more of like a Charlie, the, the, the soul of this movie is more the, coming from Kaufman. You know, Spike Jones yeah. likes to do fun stuff oh, and okay. fun experiments. And he seems to lead a wild, incredibly fun rich life that i'm envious of <laughs> oh totally yeah he gets to like yeah like he gets to stage uh fat boy slim music videos in the middle of malls and like, that. yeah like yeah like he, he gets to you know he's a rich kid so he just get, got to live the life of skateboarding and art projects and god bless him man oh, I, yeah. I think we all wanted that <laughs> like, hey, oh, no, the ideal rich boy honestly like he's yeah. just he's just making good art you know occasionally he gets to cameo in like jackass or a, a martin scorsese film well he's in um you know he plays a major role in three kings with uh the aforementioned david o russell directing him in that oh i didn't know that just, he's the uh fourth king Ah, I uh, the, it's him, the clown dog, of course. Um, Mark Wahlberg and Ice Cube are the uh, kind of the the main characters. And oh, go ahead. I'll give you a, a, a an embarrassing admittance. I have not seen Three Kings. Well, I would um I would recommend it highly. I, will I think say, it's an excellent excellent movie. It's probably still David O. Russell's best film. Interesting, because I, lo- I my say favorite I love- David O. Russell film. I love the Ben Stiller movie. I love... Uh, oh, Flirting with Disaster. Oh, such a good movie. That that movie is, like, almost perfect. Uh, although, probably, I need to rewatch it. I haven't watched it in a while. Uh, I mean, but- I, think, I think that there's, there's stuff to like in every one of his movies. Uh, but I think Three Kings just really kind of... There's more. There's just more to it. It's just, oh, a yeah. bigger, uh, just a bigger story than I think even his later ones. I'll say I love it. Like that's like one of my favorite things is when an uh, an actor. Because I feel like David O. Russell is one of those type of guys who's like he's like a. I feel like he's like a Wes Anderson or a Noah Baumbach. One of those where I feel like his films, maybe not anymore, but uh, at least at the time of like flirting with disaster. Like I feel like his movies kind of deal with smaller scope things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love it whenever like you know like my favorite Wes Anderson movie is uh, uh, the Hotel. Grand, Grand Budapest Hotel? Yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel. I wanted to mm-hmm. say Hotel Transylvania because we were talking about vampires. And the Sandman as well. And the Sandman. <laughs> if only, if only. It could yeah. have been. It could have been. Uh, Wes Anderson, give the Sandman a call. Let's see him in one of your movies. Oh my God, I would love an Adam Sandler in a, give me a Sandler in a, because I like him in Bombach. If I like him in Bombach and Safdie, ooh, and Adam Sandler, because like, yeah. it, Adam Sandler's like very specific comedy Matched with like Wes Anderson's twee. Oof, what could come of that? Yeah, put him in your hands. Uh, yeah, I, I, we want to see Meryl Streep in a live action Wes Anderson movie, too. Oh, yeah, Jack and Jill, too. Jack and Jill and Jock. There we go. Perfect, Wes Anderson. Jack and Jill and Jock, directed by Wes, filmed by Wes Anderson. Yes, there yes. it is. President Hollywood, <laughs> you know, markets market up, you know, give us that executive order to make this happen. Yep, Mayor of Hollywood, come to us. Give us the give us the key. But I think I, I do think um, I think it's cool to see Meryl Streep in a kind of you know we've complained a little maybe that she hasn't been kind of the tourist mm-hmm. style movies. But I have been thinking overall, you know, in a broader sense, that Meryl Streep may be her own auteur. And oh. movies become hers, a Meryl Streep picture, be, do just simply to her presence and kind of her taste mm-hmm. in what she likes. 
to say yes to. I think that adaptation is an outlier in what she kind of says yes to. Yeah. And I think she probably was just very impressed with the script and very impressed with Mal- John Mal- the John Malkovich movie. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people... And like, like, oh, I'd like... I was gonna say, it seems like a lot of people took like price cuts to be a part of this like film. And like, yeah. Yeah, they like, uh, yeah, they seemed more invested in the film than like, yeah, getting a, a paycheck. So uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, a lot of people wanted to be a part of the Kaufman Jones universe. I, I frankly think a lot of people still do. I don't think that that's necessarily changed. Oh, no way. All no that way. much, you know. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I was thinking about Spike Jones overall, trying to figure out what my favorite Spike Jones movie is. I mean, I think um, it's probably between Malkovich and her. Hers really but, good. Um, yeah. It's a very good film, yeah. And, and I think uh, speaking of actually being uh, emotional and personal, mm-hmm. I think that that one is a lot closer to the the real guy than um, his other films. Uh, Although I've never seen Where the Wild Things Are, I'll, I'll I'll put that out there. Oh, I like Where the Wild Things. I think that's a great movie. Uh, actually, man, I might like Where the Wild Things Are more than hmm, I don't know, but. Uh, it's it's good. They're all so good in different ways. Um, also, what I like what I like about her her is like the last the last movie with a relatable performance from Chris Pratt. <laughs> it's like the last that was the last time Chris Pratt was like a normal dude before he became this insane buff like uh, weirdly religious guy. Like like that's very, the last. Uh, let's put it put this way: it's a, it's a very his career is taking the very strange left turn that on paper makes complete sense to have a bigger, more money-making career. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've been watching quite a few episodes of Parks and Recreation over quarantine, and he's just so funny and sweet and delightful in it, and a lot of that funny, that humor and charm somehow didn't translate in his weight loss. Yeah, you know, it's so, it'd be like, it's almost like if, like, Jack Black, like someone watched Tenacious D on HBO and was like, we're going to turn this guy into the next like plastic man or whatever. Like, you know, like the next, like we're yeah. going to make him have a, a B tier superhero in the DC universe. And Jack Black like suddenly lost like 50 pounds and got a six pack. And like, yeah, that'd be like insane. I don't know. Like, it's just, uh, although, like I said, Chris Pratt is so good in Parks and Rec too. Like, and I think he's actually like, he does a great job in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's, it's gotta be still there. I just think it's a very, like, I think there's always kind of a discomfort when something feels this kind of pointedly careerist. Yeah, it is. That, um, it makes people a little like uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Well, I think for me, like, it's, like, less, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, even, and more, like, uh, Jurassic World. Like, that's, like... Yeah. uh, That's the one where, like, his performance is a little wooden, and, like, it's... I'm pretty sure he got that, because just he was so on fire, like, at the time. Because you know who was up? There were so... Yeah, he had a lot of those. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, that... The the Bizarre uh, Passengers movie? I don't know if you ever saw that. What a weird movie. Very weird. This is a tangent. We're, we're this is not the Chris Pratt show. This is the Meryl Streep. Yeah, we're going in. We're entering the Pratt hole. Yeah, it happens. I think that happened actually in Passengers. Oh God, we've entered the Pratt hole. 
bizarre movie, yeah. Yeah, with oh, uh, oh god, yeah, uh, with uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yep, and a uh, very like uncanny valley Michael Sheen did not like that yeah. robot character. <laughs> yeah, odd, odd movie. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Just he, he, perplexing. He, you can hear it in my voice. I'm like, I like would gone down a prat hole myself just thinking about it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's you can get stuck in there for days, my friend. Be careful. Yeah. You know, I'll bring. I'll you're in the prat well. Let me bring. Let me get the bucket for you, so you can. I'll pull you back up. But I mean, I I hope that he does like get somebody does get him to do a part again that really does capture his like human side which i think he shows you know in parks and recreation there's a reason he was so dynamic yeah well, he's on like, that show and i think it's still there i just think that the parts are like kind of humorless and oh. maybe you know maybe it's having mike sure harris wills alan yang and down the line writing your jokes yeah on a week-by-week basis <laughs> like they're not on jurassic park so. I think it's just like you know uh, my take is that like it was just like that movie was he was casted because like he was like on fire and like number one it's not a great role to begin with it's a weird that movie's weird for a bunch of reasons but then I think like I think there's like other people like it doesn't like Chris Pratt's group goofy like that's his energy he's not like Chris Pratt isn't like to me like uh I mean he can be that character I guess like the one who's like the confident in control but I, I, I but well, I'm always trying to be uh he's trying to be Harrison Ford. Ah, uh, but he's not. Maybe he's not. Yeah. You know, you know, like okay. I'll and there's nothing you. wrong with that. No, nothing. No, not everyone needs to be Harrison Ford. Nah, exactly. Um, there were the three other people up for that role. I remember it was like him, Paul Rudd, Glenn Howerton, and Jason Statham. And like, oh man. Oh. Give it to Glenn Howerton. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see him take a big swing. I'm a huge fan. I want to see him in more. He, I think he should have been nominated many times over at the Emmys for Dennis Reynolds on Sunny in Philadelphia. He would have been uh, so good. I think brilliant, yeah. cold-hearted character. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, that whole show. Yeah, one of the best shows ever, and it's still good. That's the crazy thing about it's always sunny is they still make great well, shows. It, it, I mean, you know, not to get too far into an always sunny hole, but um, I mean, that episode where Mac did the interpretive dance for his father to the Sega Rose song, I called my brother afterwards. I'm like, did you cry watching Sunny in Philadelphia? He's like, I kind (laughs) of did. Like, like, that was like genuinely like moving. I'm like, and you can't do that if you don't have 10 seasons of Goodwill. Like you can't end a show with a 10 minute played for no laughs whatsoever like emotional dance sequence like yeah you have to earn that. about a son coming out of the closet to his father it's like insane and, uh-huh. and then they cut back to devito like bawling uh, it's like so good so good yeah I, I would love to see all of them i mean i know charlie's gotten a couple of nice swings of things but you know yeah. in particular glenn howerton i think is a great an yeah. interesting actor. And I think he's great on AP Bio. We're big fans of that show too. Oh, it's a great show. And I think his snarky demeanor would have fit that role better than Chris Pratt's like natural kind of kind of his puppy dogness. Like I just it's just I think like mm-hmm. yeah. And like having like oh man, because like imagine all the fun little snarks you'd get from like, you know, it's like, oh, got to get those velociraptors again. You know, insert snarky joke here. Yeah, he almost, he almost, like, 
do some look at the camera and just like i know we're chasing yeah. dinosaurs <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> this <'cause>, is dumb <laughs> I, I, but also if you wanted an action hero you got to go state them if you just oh, want to yeah. play it all out full tilt this guy's a badass like yeah. you go state them oh totally like, and, yeah and then like paul Rudd would have been fine <laughs> yeah it wouldn't and have he, been like i wouldn't have hated it his reputation of not being Tom Hanks, but being nearly as enjoyable and everything as Tom Hanks is, yeah. would stand true in that as well. He's, yeah, and he, he's uh, great. He's great yeah, in that other dual performance, uh, the uh, Living With oh, Yourself. The, yeah. the Netflix show he did, yeah. He's great in Actors that. Actors love yeah. them, some dual performances. You want to see a real, just devastating one, the Mark Ruffalo one he just did on HBO. I'm, I always blank on the title, but oh, where he no, played... Two twin brothers <laughs> just from the director of Blue Valentine. Just a continuous down downer, just uh, all the way through. But uh, <laughs> absolutely brilliant performances from Mark Ruffalo. I know this that. much I, is I true. I definitely recommend that. Yeah, I definitely hard title to remember, but I definitely recommend it if you can handle. Like my wife dropped out fifteen minutes in Oof. because it was just like, oh, I don't. This is just too much to sit through. <laughs> Like it's just too, way too, way too heavy. But the high recommendation, um, you know, back to, you know, quick, quick uh, here's a awkward transition. Uh, Meryl Streep playing twins. <laughs> you know, like, have, uh, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head where we claim to be experts here, but I'm having trouble uh, with kind of pinpointing if Meryl Streep has done dual roles in a film like this before she's never done twins i'm pretty sure uh but let's see if she's done a i'll just go through the old the old imdb but yeah i think um i think she yeah i mean she's done everything but yeah well let's, she's French let's, Lieutenant let's get her French, into what yeah french lieutenant's woman she has french lieutenant's woman yeah yeah it's a, yeah, well, it's a weird, didn't share it? screen didn't doesn't share screen with herself though yeah, that's true, and it's like yeah, and it's, it's it doesn't like, really have to act opposite herself. That's true, and it's and it's it's even arguable if it is if it is a dual role, because it really is just like one here's, acting. Here's my pitch: you remake Kramer versus Kramer, Ooh. Streep's Kramer, and she's also Kramer. Oh my god! And hell, like let's throw in Michael Richards' character from the television series Seinfeld. Yes, but have Street play that Cosmo Kramer. <laughs> have her come in, and, you know. Hey, it's me, Kramer. I've never, I've watched yeah. two wacky. Na- <laughs> it's, it's, I'll, I'll cover, I'll cover the show's uh, Seinfeld demographic for us. I've seen every episode many times, oh, but um, it, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised she hasn't done. She, you know, here's a pitch. Uh, let's get Brian De Palma to do a weird, crazy, erotic thriller about twin therapists, both played by Streep, who get involved with their male patients. That's really good. There's uh yeah, there's there's a pitch for y'all. And I'm imagining like uh, one's like Channing Tatum and one's like Wallace Shawn. Yeah, like one's like a hot young hunk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, they but switch. Wallace Shawn, but Wallace Shawn is married one of the twins, but not the one he's having an affair with. He, both of them. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they end up get like in a knife fight, the two twins at the end or something like that. Oh, it gets man. a little dead ringersy, maybe. Like speaking of uh, Meryl Streep's great friend Jeremy Irons from French, you know, dead ringers, another great twin. Oh, yeah. uh, picture. A tooch. Throw a in, throw in a mix. A tooch. Yes. Yeah. Um. But hey, uh, on that note, uh, let's give out a tucci for adaptation before we move into our final thoughts. And our final thoughts. Doing any um, adaptation is not moving on in the tournament. We are just going to declare whether we think adaptation should have been in the tournament. Hmm. So, uh, just to let you know, uh, but tucci winner. Patrick, go ahead. Oh, my Tucci winner? Oh, it's so hard. Um, you know, uh, actually, it's not hard. Uh, so Chris Cooper is great in this movie. He deserves 100% his uh, Oscar, obviously. Like, he's so good. But, like, Nicolas Cage is just... In, it's I To me, this might be... I wish I could go back in time and take Cage's Oscar from leaving Las Vegas... And give it to him for adaptation, because I I used to and that sucker to him. Yep, because I used to love like it's funny. I've watched Leaving Las Vegas recently too, and I still stand by his performance in that movie being incredible. But like I watch this movie, and it's just he's doing it's so much. It's just it's so and it's so uh, textured, and there's so much going on, and it's so uh, sad and relatable and weird and self-indulgent, but it's, it's like the rare self-indulgent, uh, performance where like, I'm a hundred percent on board and want to see where it's going. He's vulnerable in it too. Oh, like so he lets vulnerable. himself look real bad. He looks like, <laughs> like shit. It's so bad. A lot of actors wouldn't. Yeah. He looks like shit. <laughs> like he, like the, the hairstyle that they gave him in this is pretty damn good. Like, oh yeah. Just like both both curly hair, weird orange color, and um balding. Yeah, and so it's like it's, it's like you know, got it all happening. Yep, it's like it's like they uh got like a micro razor or something and just like yeah, shaved like mm-hmm. half of his hairs off his head. It is like totally yeah, it's like in like the sweat in the beginning scene. Oof, the sweat. <laughs> yeah. I, were those like CGI sweat drops? They were huge. It was nuts. <laughs> it was an unreal sweat. Big portion of the budget. Yeah. The 19 million. That's a, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I was just going to say, I think a lot of people, though, do think that, like, a Stanley Tucci Most Valuable Supporting Player award is at the same level at this point as a Best Actor at the Academy Awards. Mm hmm. So I think that you provide you sending this love, Nick Cage's way here, will, you know, you know, heal that wound oh, of yeah. not winning. Oh, you yeah. know, I believe that was the year um, Adrian Brody took it for the pianist, if <laughs> I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, very a competitive year because uh, yeah. good. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis was nominated for Gangs of New York that year. Oh wow! Well. Oh my god! There was a lot going, and I think uh, Nicholson was in there for about Schmidt. So there was some real. Um, I mean, all those performances are fucking great. So, oh, like, totally. it's very difficult to not, uh, yeah. even begin narrowing it down. Um, oh, I thought I'm going to go quick on my two. Oh, go uh, I was just going to say, I, I thought that Adrian Brody was nominated for his uh, SNL hosting. Oh, yeah. never, <laughs> never, never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was his Oscar nominee performance. Yeah. When he played, uh, cut, but... 
played like what wig man or whatever oh boy yeah yeah he, 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 uh, he, he made up for it with detachment that was his he, yeah he's that boy sent me down a passenger style hole <laughs> but, um, <laughs> brody hole oh man brody hole um i'm gonna kill here i i I have to give it to Nicolas Cage. Yeah, you as got well. to. You this to. is uh Meryl Street podcast, but this may have been so um, Yeah. In our um in our discussion because we couldn't get enough of him. It's so impressive. It's just it's just it really brings the movie home. Like <sighs> it he get he brings a soul to the movie. Mm-hmm. It's the next level. He, he does what you need. You need an, a great actor to do. Yeah. a great script. He really it, makes it sing. It is like this thing, too, where, like, Nicolas Cage, like, this performance is, like, it's as showy as the Iron Lady performance that Meryl Streep has. But it's, Absolutely. like, it's incredible. Like, the movie matches it in terms of quality. Yeah. And it's, like, it sucks that Meryl Streep doesn't have, like, it's, uh, you know, maybe we're, there's a movie we're missing or something. But uh, Let us just, know. Yeah, let please let us know. Scream at us. Uh, send us uh, send us little emails and uh, you know messages on on Twitter. But, yeah. Uh, um, all you yeah. Silkwood freaks. Yeah. All you uh, all you postcards from the edge uh, goons. Send us yep. little images of postcard from the edge. Uh, let but, us know uh, how wrong we are. Yeah, but uh, it just like yeah, you wish that um, Meryl Streep and it might just be like a matter of like you know being a man in Hollywood versus being a woman in Hollywood. I think that that's gonna that's a theme of this entire podcast. Not a surprising theme, but I think yeah. you hit on something very strong there. It's just parts being written for men, parts being written for women, and also the people in power who can make mm-hmm. those parts happen. Yep. I think, um, and obviously, it's a credit to Meryl Streep for continuing to push out so many, you know, very solid, great films and great, but kind of that next level real wildly creative stuff just doesn't seem to be coming her way and it's 100% not her fault. Oh yeah, no. You know, unfortunately a theme we've we've come to see many times over. I mean, even the films like this one where a good film that she's in that she's good in and the most interesting part went to a dude. 100%. And the second most interesting part went to a dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's yeah, and I know what it makes me want is like I'm trying to think of like a, a writer. It almost makes me want to see like a Diablo Cody movie that stars Meryl Streep. I'm trying to think of like a Ricky writer. in the Flesh. Mm, oh shit! You're right. Green. Ah, <laughs> you know, what's funny? What's funny is that uh, that actually is kind of weirdly enough like the most like the textured. closest one. Yeah, it honestly yeah. is. It's like the most textured performance. Now, was it my favorite movie? No, but it is like it is close to it. Ugh, making me regret my choice a little bit more. I stand with hashtag stand with Ricky. Hashtag stand with Ricky. Man, yeah. I cannot believe my brain, my foolish brain. But, but you're uh, you're absolutely right. Like I think like the stuff that Charlie gets to do in Diablo Cody scripts, like Young Adult or Tully. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have loved to see Meryl Streep get a few. Like neither neither of those movies are you know perfect movies, but I think yeah. just to see her get a few reps in something like that, you know, mm-hmm. or even like, you know, like like a Catherine Bigelow style movie. 
Yeah. That Mer- Meryl Streep got a chance to like um, a more intense kind of role like that. Yeah. yeah or I think even, or, or yeah. Uh, Nicole, uh, how do you pronounce her last name? Nicole. Oh, Holmes. I know you're. Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and oh, I'm man. wondering if she just doesn't get the budgets to get Streep. That, that might be the problem. Yeah, because, like, I love, like, Enough Said is a great movie. Like, I yeah. Love and, I mean, yeah, well, really, well, how beautiful. I mean, no, 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 just to Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who's wonderful <laughs> in the film. But, um, boy, I would have loved to see Meryl Streep act across the big man, James Gandolfini. She would have been so good. Like, have her having to, like, you know, try to lug that, uh, that massage uh, table up mm-hmm. the, uh, Meryl Streep would have crushed that. It would have been so good. But, I mean, I guess this this goes our hope that maybe this this collaboration with Soderbergh kind of leads into a more late career, mm-hmm. given given more tries to this. Hopefully, some some more interesting. There's so many interesting female directors who are finally getting a go in the last couple of years. Maybe we'll see one of them write Meryl Streep something that um, kind of plays outside the box yep. a little bit more. For her, I mean, I think that that would be really cool. Like, I really like uh, Mariel Heller, who did um, the Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the Mister Rogers oh, movie yeah. with Hanks. I, I love- think she's a very talented director, and I think I'd love to see her work. I think, um, uh, yeah, Diary of a Teenage Girl slaps. Yeah. Like, that's a great movie. Both great. Yeah, I think um, I love the Hanks Rogers movie. I thought that was a real surprise. I need to watch um, that still. But I think, yeah, I think if a so dang good and Nicholas Cage is so dang good and it would just be cool to see Streep get something like Charlie and cut Donald Kaufman yeah oh man having yeah Streep and oh man a movie where like Streep yeah has has to play a Donald Kaufman and a Charlie Kaufman right like here she would knock it out of the park that would be so yeah it's it's not like the skill isn't there yeah, no, it's, yeah, it is and like, cause like I could even see like Meryl Streep doing that monologue in the very beginning Man, mm-hmm. that'd be so good. Where she's just like, you know, uh, I'm. I need to try things more. I'm such a fat fuck. Like, why am I balding? Like, yeah, uh, I mean, man. to see her, she doesn't play low status a lot. Give her, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's kind of been a theme we've talked about too throughout the show. Is that we'd like to see her play low status a little bit more. But I mean, she's so strong. Yeah, that's it's why- hard to take that away from her. Yeah, that is so weird that, like, yeah, Florence Foster Jenkins and Ricky and the Flash were, like, the two low status. Yeah. Yeah, out of all the movies. I mean, I guess you can make an argument for, like, Sophie's Choice, but, like, uh, I don't even know if she's, like, it's different. Yeah, it's a, that's such a mysterious movie, and the character's so mysterious. Yeah. Her, I mean, I think... you, you compare that almost to French Lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And I also think, like, her status in relation to Stingo is, like, she's, like, I think she's almost higher in most regards. Higher than Stingo, but lower than Klein. Yep, higher than Stingo, lower than Klein. Story Boy, of my story life. Of my, yeah, me too. <laughs> hey, look at that. <laughs> Much like Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> but I, I think, um, yeah, I think this is a wonderful movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. I think, uh, obviously, but, uh, you know, this, to get down to it, this is a Meryl Streep season yes these are Meryl Streep's best performances and I think the intuition was correct to leave this out of this top 16 I'm I'm with you because like um I can don't get me wrong like this is a great movie and uh you know if it was on the list 
uh, if we had it initially, I wouldn't complain. Like, if this had, like, you know, because you yeah. could easily, like, if this had been in there instead of French Lieutenant's Woman or uh, Defending Your Life or, you know, who, whatever. Because uh, you know, this could have been a comedy or a, uh, although, is it a comedy? I don't know. Maybe it's Yeah, not, yeah I, mean, it's I think that really was another comedy. issue with fitting it into the themes of the brackets. But I think you, you hit on it earlier. Um, we didn't have defending your life adaptation would have fulfilled the exact same role, probably in the exact same spot, losing to death becomes her. Yep. You know, but I will say though, too, that like, I think like defending your life was the right choice there because I think like, even though I think, um, I think Albert Brooks is a little more charitable to Meryl Streep in defending your life. I think she has a, a larger, Maybe not a yeah. I'd say it's a larger role. I think she has a larger role, and I think she has a more significant role than she does in uh, an adaptation. It's less thankless. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that she does. You know, like we said, she does get to play the drug addicted, murderous swamp rat at the end of adaptation, which that does is, put a little twist on it. That is but fun. maybe we needed that earlier in the movie. Yes, man. Give me like yes, yeah, because you only get like you only get five or ten minutes, really. Yeah. Like, the second she pulls the gun on Donald, mm-hmm. you know, then it's like, oh, we're going there. <laughs> yeah, now we're in crazy town. And this is not to say at all, I think she's really great in this film. Yeah. Um, I just think um, this is Nick Cage's show. Oh, yeah. It's so, he, he overpowers, like, in, in a good way. Like, I like that he overpowers it. It's like... Because it's just, it is a, just a movie about Charlie Kaufman, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, it's Charlie Kaufman's show, yeah. <laughs> beyond that even. But I yeah. think, um, yeah, I think we're in agreement that uh, Adaptation, excellent film, uh, but not, you know, this is a show about deciding Meryl Streep's greatest performance, and this, this wasn't going to win. Nah, no way. No way. Even though it's great, great performance, just not like a defined, definitive role. Yeah, check it out if you haven't seen it. And yeah. I think, you know, hopefully a couple people out there who have been following along and have watched every one of these movies, you know, God bless you if you've watched all <laughs> 17 of these movies. <laughs> um, you know, there though, and you're screaming at us like the hell with you guys out of Africa was yeah. the choice. Was the Let, us yep. Let us know. Let us know. We're going to be back to our normal um programming of next week but uh you know expect more of these one-offs because we're having a lot of fun hopefully you all are too you know digging in on street here and learning more about her you know seeing our relationship with her kind of uh mutate and develop um same with frankly with don gummer Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm feeling the same way um you know and all of our other friends we've met along the way i think uh this has been really exciting we're excited for the second round um yeah, we'll see what you the know, set bears up to next season. Yeah, set next bear season. and the rest of the and the rest of the gang. You know, yeah. I think the Doctor Hollywood is going to be around some more. Oh yeah, we're going to keep we're going to keep trying to get Meryl Streep in a David Cronenberg movie. Yeah. You know, all of the promises we've set forth uh, that we're going to keep pushing for them. Yeah. We're still looking for that gummer. Oh, still we want that gummer so bad. You know, and Patrick is guaranteed he's going to start cooking Julia Child's cookbook based on the style of Julie Powell. Um, And let's not forget the the, let's not forget the breakout character of our podcast, George the Mouse, (laughs) who lives under the hat. Yeah, who could forget George? Who lives under my hat? (laughs) Just a few episodes ago, we last caught up with him. He's doing fine. 
but uh, you know, in, in lieu of our usual bit at the end of the show, we just want to say thank you for joining us so far. Yeah, on the show, we're happy to be here. Happy to be uh, have you all along for this ride. I hope, we hope you're enjoying it. Please give us feedback on both the iTunes rate and review, and uh, join us on our ever exciting Twitter page. And we have got some more um, social media social plans. In the future, to be on the lookout for. Kind of our spot, though, now for communiques. If you're interested in work, really want to get us about out of Africa or any other things we've dissed. If you think Chris Pratt has only gotten better yeah. since he did Jurassic World, um, let us know. If we hear from Chris Pratt about that, we apologize. We're, we're going to be much like Charlie and Donald Kaufman, immediately <laughs> apologetic. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, please don't beat me up, Chris Pratt. You we don't mean. stand by it at all. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. It's all for the jokes. We're just joking. Yeah. You know that, Chris. We love you. We yeah. love you on Parks. Oh, man. So yeah. um, thank you to our listeners. You know, thank you to our, um, you know, logo designer. Our, oh, um, Ari Grab, yes. Ari yeah. Grab. And our um, song, our maestro. Evan J. Cox, yes. Yes. And uh, thank you to my co-host Patrick. Oh, thank you, you know, Daniel. For, uh, I almost called you, you know. Daniel. Wow. Yeah. That'd be so funny if this entire time I thought your name was Daniel. Well, oddly enough, we just met, and this is actually the first episode we are recording. They're coming out in a very strange order. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. We're making some very, uh, <laughs> making some very uh, left field predictions about how the podcast is going to go out, what will become characters uh, eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Trump won re-election, and uh, the Democrats yeah. took the Senate. You know, and that's I'm calling it now as we record this episode for the first time. Yeah, and I hope, uh, and it looks like uh, our boy uh, Joe Biden's probably going to end up on cameo, and that'll be fun. I can't wait to get these uh, fifty nine fifty nine ninety nine. That's my prediction. Calling it now, he's going to be you know, the Bachelor. Yeah, bachelor folks. <laughs> he's leaving Dr. Jill Biden. He's gonna he's gonna go find himself some Hollywood hotties on The Bachelor. <laughs> hey man. Oh. Hey Jack. Hey Jack. We want to you know, go out for an ice cream cone. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, fat. I love you. All right, we're gonna go see it, but I think we listen, fat. He, he should. I'm glad he won president. I'm gonna rescind everything I just said just for listen fat. That that he won my vote by saying listen fat. That is an insane. What a catchphrase. Oh man. Listen fat. Listen. listen. Oh. <laughs> just calling someone a fat. That's so good. Fat is a noun. Listen Very fat. Funny. How many push-ups can you do? <laughs> oh man. I, I you know I'm someone who would be the receiver of that, and I still I find it funny. It's good. It's actually good. It's good to well, listen, Fat. Check out check out round two of the Academy Academy starting next week. We're happy to have you. Yeah, um, our, uh, our first guest, Corn Pop. Corn Pop. Yeah, yeah. we we got the elusive Corn Pop. Yeah. Corn Pop apparently freaking loves the bridges of Madison County. Yeah, so. Corn Pop is ecstatic when he's not like uh, trying to get into a fight at the local swimming hole. He's uh, raving about Clint Eastwood's uh, mid-90s oeuvre. Yeah, big, big fan. He's like, he really found a new new, uh, new heater on Unforgiven and just took it the rest of the way through yeah. the 90s. <laughs> just a huge, yeah, huge appreciator of absolute power. Space Cowboy, super <laughs> underrated. <laughs> yeah.
Thank you uh, so much for listening to our show, putting up with this wildness. Uh, if you came just for a deathly serious conversation, um, stuck around for ten episodes. Thank you, and we're sorry. Yeah, hey, we're, we're sorry, and like, yeah, I like just love doing this. This is very fun to me. So this is awesome. I'm happy. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> Thank you. I'll see you next week. Uh, bye bye. Back them dark and dusty drapes, let in some light. Tell the billboy, come get my trunk, cause I'm leaving here tonight. And I've packed my bags and I paid my bill. And I'm turning in my key And if those sad souls down in the lobby Ask for me Just tell them I'm checking out This heartbreak hotel I ain't gonna live on Lonely Street no more, no more. I found a new love and a new place to dwell where teardrops ain't soaking the floor.